this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on the topic of Restoring Wholeness, Part 3. God's heart is for everyone's wholeness restored. This conversation was originally recorded in August of 2021. We want to remind you, Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. So Acts chapter 6, if you remember the account in Acts chapter 6, the the church, the, the new fledgling group of followers of Jesus is growing rapidly and they have all things in common and good things are happening and and always because it's people issues emerge and and there was an issue that emerged from the greek speaking followers so so recognize you've got insiders and outsiders even there you you've got the the uh, the jewish people uh the israelis and then you've got the, the Greek-speaking followers, and the Greek-speaking followers felt like that in the daily distribution of food that the, that the Greek widows were being overlooked and not taken care of well. Uh, so, I mean, we, we could spend our whole time just unpacking all that about how they had everything in common and they shared one of the things, group, that I that I hope you'll you'll hear even in that, and that I believe deeply, is that God's heart is for the well-being of everybody, not just some, but everybody. That God's heart is all of us experience shalomness, and and this story is a story where okay. And just because we're humans and just because we all have have our own ways of doing things and our own prejudices, there was a group of people that were getting left out or were not being treated as fully or fairly. And so the disciples, the 12, said, you know, this sounds like something we don't want to get wrapped up in. We're going to delegate some other folks. And so why don't you pick seven men uh, to do this work for us? Um, Because mostly this group is women, uh, I I just want to acknowledge he said pick seven men. We could go into all the thought around why seven men. I think it because it was the cultural norm of the day that it was men. Uh, but pick seven. And, uh, and they designated two things, seven people full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. I think anytime we're selecting anybody for a role, those two things are really, really important. Uh, but as I read it, remember, I'm, I'm, as I read scripture, I'm always pushing back and asking questions and wondering about stuff. And so uh, one, of the, one of my questions is, and how do you know if somebody's full of the Holy Spirit or not? I mean, do, do, do they have a glow about them? Uh, do they speak in tongues? Do they, you know, and, and every time I ask that question, how do you know when someone's full of the Holy Spirit? This is where I come back to. 
I think there's a lot of evidences, but but the one evidence that is overwhelming for me is that they they love because God is love. So if a person is not loving, I would venture out and say, then they are not filled with the Holy Spirit. How can God's spirit be alive in someone that's not loving? I, I, and, and for me, it doesn't matter what else they believe, because, because the one characteristic that we know most about the character of God is that God is love, and, and therefore God is loving. And so for me, when I, when I think about this, well, how do we know that these people are filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I think we know because, because these are people that, that love consistently and regularly uh, as, as a part of their life. I'm happy for you to push back on that in any way. That's just where my mind goes. The second thing then, they were, they were filled with wisdom. Well, how do you know whether a person's filled with wisdom or not? You know, what are the indicators of wisdom? And, and wisdom is being able, I think, to apply the teachings of Jesus in everyday life. That's what wisdom is. It's, it's the capacity to say, okay, in every situation, uh, this is what Jesus taught or what Jesus said or what Jesus was about. And, and therefore, I know how to apply that in my life. I, I want to use a little faith walking terminology because when, when I look for people that, that I invite in to be a part of things that I'm leading, this is what I look for. I look for emotional maturity. So I know that language wasn't common in, 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 in Acts or in, in Jesus' day. But for me, emotional maturity and wisdom are almost like the same thing. And emotional maturity is, do people have the capacity to give and keep their word? That's integrity. But do, do people have the capacity? Do people have the capacity to take a stand? for the way and teachings of Jesus, even when others come against that or resist that. Uh, that's emotional maturity. And for me, that's wisdom. Uh, I, I'll just tell you all a story. Uh, back 20-something years ago, I, I was pastoring a, a quote-unquote normal church, and uh, if there is such a thing. I'm going to pause right here for a moment. I've got more to say obviously. But let me pause there and say, so what does that stir up? Does that stir up anything, any of that? The Holy I, Spirit or wisdom? Yep. I was thinking when you said that, um, I, I always think of the verse, you know them by their fruits. Mm -hmm. um, because mm -hmm. there's a, you know, I mean, we're all sinners, but there's a, there's, there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians. And when you look at how they live, you're like, not sure about that. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely, Leslie. And and for me, that's about so we can disagree over doctrinal things. I I, I mean we, we do. But for me, uh the, the fruit I'm looking for is does their life consistently reflect what I believe to be the heart of God? And what I believe to be the heart of God is God's for shalom. God's for wholeness, 
restoration and and all of and and so is their life consistently aligned with those things uh for me that's where the fruit is but i get it and yeah i'm with you anybody else this um this passage is one of my favorites um, and i think that i love what you said about it um it's it's just what's always struck me that um, the disciples took so seriously this, um, this, this, this importance of uh, how the meals were distributed so that everyone would have them. And, and it would seem, in our world, it would seem like, well, that's a minor thing. You do, who wants to do that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's how we would typically deal with something along that line. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but they like, no, these people need to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. I mean, they took mm-hmm. it that seriously. And, and by all appearances, they chose ordinary people, you know, because these were not the familiar name. I mean, uh, these yeah. people in their, in their community, uh, uh, but they they placed a trust in them, and I don't know the whole the whole thing speaks to me. Yeah. Um, Good. So. And if they Good. and if they chose those things, and, and it speaks to what you're saying of, of that's a call for all of us. You know, no matter what role we're we're performing. Right. Right. I think there's an indication in that because this is the, at the very first formation of what we call the church today. And so somehow this was important enough that it got included in the sacred text. And what gets included? What gets included is we want to make sure everybody's included. That's what gets included. Nobody gets left out. And, and folks, we, we are so divisive, just like we're prone to violence, we're prone to cut people out or to say, well, this group's more important than that group. And I think this particular passage of scripture teaches us about oneness, and it teaches us about, you know what, we, we are called of God to be concerned about the well-being for everybody, because that's God's heart. I, I think that's there, too. Yes, sir, John. Um, I think this, I think this particular um, passage is 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 vital, and I think there, in a sense, I think maybe the, the church has maybe lost it uh, to a certain extent. Let me explain. The the criteria is they chose people who were full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. But often in church, uh, what does one have? Well, we need to have the successful businessman or businesswoman because they've got they've got the acumen. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we need to have so and so because well they're very influential in the community. That's certainly I mean that's certainly something I've observed, and but they may not necessarily uh, be full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that might be somebody who is, let's say, as we would say in the UK here, or maybe of a lower class, maybe doesn't have um, everything together in a secular way. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas uh, this particular passage brings us right back uh, to the basics and what the biblical standard should be. Amen, brother. Preach it. Yeah. Tammy. 
I'm trying to think how to word this. It strikes me that they created a practical process, a systemic process, even if you will, to address the perceived social inequity. Mm -hmm. And I'm using really modern words because those are the words being tossed around right, right. now. Right. The process that was 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 seemingly unfair and they created a solution to address that social issue. Mm -hmm. A church redirection to address mm -hmm. the social issue. I love it. Absolutely love mm -hmm. it. It is so practical and such a, a beautiful testimony of, of, I think, things that we don't do really well today. Very Yeah. Good. Yeah. Beautiful. I, I, I love the, the language that you incorporated because you're exactly right. And, and what I'm convinced of is that's the heart of God. Mm -hmm. That, okay, there was an injustice, even by the way, if it was just a perceived injustice. Right. And okay, well, that's serious enough. We're going to fix it. And so, and guess what? We're going to take our best and our brightest and we're going to go fix it. We're, we're not going to give the, the calls or, and we're not going to give the, uh, uh, you know, uh, Saul, I think you, you said the all call. Uh, okay, who, who's willing to do? No, we're going to go find our best people and we're going to put them on this because we want there to be uh, well-being for everyone. Really powerful. As we go on in the story, if I may go on, I, I don't see anybody else unmuted. So Stephen was one of the people uh, selected, and he, he's pretty famous, uh, became the first martyr. And by the way, he became the first martyr because he lived out the heart of God. Okay? So Stephen, and, and what it says of Stephen is Stephen was also full of faith. And his faith was that, that God can do anything God chooses to do. And it, it tells us here that Stephen himself performed many signs and wonders, miraculous deeds. And here's, so here's my, here's my modern day dilemma. Uh, I wonder, okay, where are the miraculous deeds? Why can't we do the miraculous deed? Is it because we don't have enough of the Holy Spirit? Is it because we don't have enough faith? Uh, why can't we do those things? And as I pondered that, folks, here, here's what, what I came up with. And I, I hope this, I don't even know how to, how to say it. It may sound like a rationalization, but I don't think it is. So, so here, I believe God still wants to partner with you and I to perform wondrous deeds. But those wondrous deeds are not normally instantaneous. You with me? So here's what I believe. I'm going to tie it to faith walking because I really truly believe this. I believe in faith walking. God has given us some tools that help people get restored to wholeness. You understand what I mean by that? And so God invites me and he invites you 
He invites us all, those who are aligning with his life. He said, I've given you some gifts and I've given you some tools, and I want you to have faith that I am going to use your gifts and use your tools to restore some folks toward wholeness, no matter who you are. And and I believe God is doing that. So here, here's what I mean by that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got a text from an older couple now who I've known for 40 years. So one of my early churches, I was the youth minister, and they were, they were parents of teenagers, and they worked closely with me, and, we, and, and they kind of, in fact, folks, I, I named his name last week as one of the people that gave me a hand up. I got a text from, from him. It, within within uh, about two weeks, and and here's the story. So a friend of theirs who I also know has an adult son who's middle aged, whose life is falling apart, and is desperate, and doesn't know what he believes about God. Doesn't I, this is just I, I think maybe even on the verge of suicidal kinds of thoughts. And they asked me if I would reach out and contact this guy. So I don't know him at all, never met him. They give me his phone number, and I text him, and I tell him who I am, and I just invite him to have a phone conversation. I'm going to make a, a, a long story really short. So I had a phone conversation with him. And at the end of the phone conversation with him, I had no clue whether I'd hear from him ever again. And then he called me and said, hey, uh, uh, two or three days later, could we meet in person? So two days ago, I, I met this man in person, and we spent an hour together. And, uh, and, and you know what I, what I wish had happened? What I wish had happened is he had been healed on the spot. But he wasn't healed on the spot. But I think he started moving toward healing. I think he started just in one conversation and where we left it was he's going to call me next week and we're probably going to start meeting weekly and just talking. Okay. So I think the point I want to make is Stephen was full of faith that God was going to use him to do big things. And by big things, I don't mean lead a great big organization. I mean for people to be restored to wholeness. And, and what, I, what I want to invite all of us here to think about is, and I believe God wants to use you in the same way also. Now, you may already know that, and you may say, yeah, I know, and God is. But for some of you, you may say, well, you know what? I no, I don't know that God's using me for anything. And I want to say to you, I believe God, God is using you, wants to use you, and that, and that though it may it it may not be instantaneous miracles, it's still still miracles. So if this man I'm talking to, if his life gets restored and, and his family and, his, and, and just all of the stuff that's going on, that would be a miracle from God, right? 
And so what's my role? My role is I'm not the, I'm not the miracle worker. Oh, well, let's just let him talk to Ken. You know, Ken's a miracle worker. No, I'm not the miracle worker. God's the miracle worker. But God might use me, and he might use you. And I think the faith then is the faith to believe that God can use me to bring miracles in other people's lives. And I want you to invite to invite you that, that that's possible and that God wants to do that. Again, I know some of you know that, but but I have a feeling some of you don't know that. And so I, I, I want to lay that out there, and I, and I want to lay it out there that in this way that it is miracle-working work that we're about. It's life-transformative. And so am I discerning where where God's invitation is? So God's invitation for me with this man came via a text, right? And that's God's invitation. So am I open to God's invitation? And then do I step in? And and as I step in, do I step in not trusting on my, you know, whatever, but trusting in the fact that God's going to use me as God's vessel? Because I think that's what he did in the life of Stephen. So we can talk about that, but I want to say one more thing, uh, and then I'm done. I always have too much to say. And, and when all that happened, it got Stephen in trouble. So there were some folks that didn't like what he was doing. And, uh, you know, we, we might, I, I'm just going to be real plain. So there might be people that don't like us restoring wholeness. There might be people that want to keep dividing people up rather than bringing people together. And, and when you start talking about, no, we need to come together and we need to reflect the heart of God, they're not going to like it. And here's why they don't like it sometimes, folks. We, they don't like it because they like the status quo. They like the way the world works and the way it is. And, and somehow they benefit from the world working in the way it, it, it's working. And so they're resistant when we come and say, no, what, what if God did something bigger than all of us think? What if, what, what if wholeness is really possible? What if unity uh, across the nations is really uh, something to be about? And I want to tell you, when, when we start preaching that message and when we start doing that work, there are going to be people that don't like it. And here's what happens when people don't like it and it comes up against, and they get anxious about it. When they get anxious about it, what the story tells us here in, in Acts 6 is, they, and they made up a story and started a rumor about Stephen. I really want to encourage us all, be careful to, about what stories you believe. Because... Even well-meaning people, when they get anxious, can become evil people and attack us. And that's what happened to Stephen. And guess what? The rumors got so strong, they brought Stephen before the court, accused him of false things that, that he hadn't done, and they ended up executing him. And he became the first martyr. And he became the first martyr. Why? because he was doing exactly what God called him to do. All right, I'm done.
So what's what's any of that stir up for you? Jerry? I think one of the things that strikes me is we often underestimate the power of showing up. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we love to think that, yes, on the spot, the, the bam, the lights, the, you know, <laughs> the, the fireworks, mm -hmm. but, but God is, is in the, the yes and in the showing up, just show mm -hmm. up for me. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. And we underestimate that as part of the, the miracle mm -hmm. of what he is doing because he wants to use us. Mm -hmm. He works through us, but we got to show up. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I uh, as ill-equipped as we might think we are or we feel we are or that we are, if we show up, he goes, I'm there. Mm -hmm. I'm in this. Mm -hmm. I will use you. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It is, Jerry. Yeah. It's motivating, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I want to keep showing up and see what God does and and watch God work and yeah. uh and watch God restore people. Yeah. I, I'm absolutely convinced God's given each one of us gifts that he wants us to use. Michelle? Um, so my thinking is that God's always inviting us into a deeper relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And as much as I do believe that he can do anything, almost like in the click of, a, of your fingers, like he could mm -hmm. change anyone immediately, it doesn't have the same, necessarily have the same impact for that person. If they go from one state to another without any process it doesn't leave them anywhere different really um and it's in that walking out your healing with others in community in relationship that we really see the change in us and the change in others that we walk with and mm -hmm. so as much as like i always used to say i can remember doing a radio interview at some event and saying um how it was amazing how God had changed me and then that I think that just kicked off this whole process of slowly walking with him that was like I don't know maybe 10 12 years ago and it was the most stupid thing to say like back then I didn't have a clue I did, like <laughs> I didn't have a clue what it done in my life or what it was going to do um, but the whole process from then and walking with him through so many different things um, that's what makes me know God more um, and in a deeper way. And I think that's what he wants to do for each person. It's like, come and know me, come and be in relationship with me and we'll do this thing together. We'll walk this out together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good, Michelle. Thank you. Trish. Michelle, that makes me think, I mean, just when you were talking about that and about the process that he uses, I immediately got an image of a butterfly hatching from its cocoon, you know, and we use that as a transformative picture, but, you know, unless the butterfly is allowed to do it slowly and unfurl its wings and 
pump them, you know, it, it requires all of those steps of the process. Um, and when we intervene and try to make it happen faster, of course, it destroys the butterfly. And um, yeah, that just, that's what just came to me. And I thought, yeah, mm -hmm. you know, there is, there's a reason for the process. So we strengthen our spiritual muscles so that we can eventually fly. There's some good preaching going on here today. One, uh, one final thought for me. Well, yeah, I don't know why I said that. There's never a final thought for me. Um, one more thing I'd like to say is just the, the idea that probably it goes back all the way to my first formation, but this belief that Okay, if I align my life with God's will, then God's going to take care of me and nothing bad's going to happen to me. And that's just not true. Uh, I mean, poor, poor Stephen lost his life. I, I think of Stephen and I think of John the Baptist, two, two fellows that were as right in the middle center of God's will as could possibly be. And both of them lost their lives. Um, I'm not saying when we get in the center of God's will, we're going to lose our lives. That's not what I'm, what I'm implying. I'm simply saying it won't always go well. And there will be people who come against us. And we might be surprised at who the people are that come against us, even though we're right in the center of God's will. I think that's what I want to say. Leslie, I saw you unmuted. <laughs> now and that verse comes to mind. The, um, that there will be trials and tribulations. So right. <laughs> naturally we kind of, we, we want to avoid that, but it, it tells us get ready. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just remind me of that verse. Um, I was reading it, um, was it last week or so? Um, it's in 1 John, um, where it says that he who wants to follow uh, must walk as Jesus walked. Now, mm -hmm. often we think, um, that yeah we need to be good we need kind you know the gentle jesus make a mild that sort of thing but if we walk the way that jesus walked there will be there will be confrontations there will be misunderstanding there will be rejection mm -hmm. so it's mm -hmm. that that double mm -hmm. side of it and that you know we will come up against the the scribes and pharisees and you know, the religious teachers and all that exactly. sort of thing exactly because yeah. Jesus did. Yeah. 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 So no matter what you believe about the reason for the cross, okay? So we we could spend days talking about uh different philosophies or theologies about substitutionary atonement. Okay? So that that's not where I want to go. No matter what you believe about any of that, it was Jesus's life and what he taught and how he behaved that got him in trouble. So just like we were talking about John the Baptist and, jo and Stephen, Jesus was the same way. It, it was because of what he was about that kept getting him in trouble because Jesus kept holding up this mirror for the status quo, for the religious leaders and all the other folks that were gaining benefit from a broken system. And Jesus kept holding up the mirror and saying, okay, this is not God's design. 
and they say, oh yeah, it is God's design. And eventually, you know what, Jesus, you're just making too much noise. We're just going to put you out of the equation. We're going to hang you on a cross. And folks, if all of that doesn't stir up something in you. You know, how far are we willing to go to disrupt or change our current world? The, 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 the cruel, if, and, and maybe that's just, just that the, the, the non-Jesus-like uh, activities within yeah. the church and yep. out of the church. Yeah. That yep. we are witnessing and 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 where are we responsible to stand to 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 living out our calling regardless of the cost? Yeah. And the challenge in all that for me, Tammy, is um <laughs> I forget exactly how you ask it, but but the question uh, or the answer for me was, as far as my courage will let me go, because it's really about my courage. I'm willing to take a stand as long as I'm courageous. That's what I'm what I'm implying. You you disagree? I'm just weighing that. I think there's a lot of people that went forward with their convictions with a lot of rightly so fear and trembling. I, I, I'm just weighing what courage, I can be, I can do a lot and still be afraid. If, it, if I was waiting for courage to kick in, I might not always do things I do. So I'm, that's, what I'll, that's what I was thinking but, about. But for me, that's what courage is. Doing it scared. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. I like that. <laughs> okay, I mean, I like yeah. that a lot. <laughs> so courage is not that I don't have fear. Courage gotcha. is okay. I can overcome my fear and still do it. Okay. Amen. Amen. That's a hard word. That's a scary word, but it is. Man, this is good stuff, Kate. I was thinking about courage earlier and I was looking at um a sermon that I did on courage uh two years ago. Um, I'm, I'm still not very courageous. Well, I'm getting better. <laughs> like I'm working on it <laughs> little by little. Um, but there's an American football player that said this quote, um, the ability to do the right courage is the ability to do the right thing all the time, no matter how painful or uncomfortable it might be. I don't know where I found that. I don't know if that's in faith walking material or wherever, but it just kind of reminded me earlier that that's that's the journey I'm on to just keep doing the right thing and as Ken keeps telling me I'm practicing and just keep practicing and just keep doing it um and that's okay and so yeah that's where I'm at <laughs> with courage thank you Michelle I can't believe you can remember a sermon you preached two years ago I, I can't remember what I spoke about last week let alone two years ago I have it written down I was looking, I, I was looking at it for a reference. <laughs> gotcha. Well, group, we're out of time. Thank you, uh, as always, for being here. Thanks for the great conversation. Um, yeah, I, I really uh, continue to grow in my love for this group and uh, your impact on me and my life. So thank you. Thank you all.
Anybody got anything you need to say before we go? All right. I'll see you next week then. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you, Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us backslash donate. Thank you for listening.